Hello and welcome to Omens and Epiphanies. I'm Grace and I'm going on a journey. I'm glad you're here. This is a great time to go get some tea, coffee, cocoa, whatever you drink. (laughs) And maybe your favorite deck of tarot cards. Today we're talking about the chariot. If you're in a car, please don't do those things. The chariot is the seventh card in the major arcana. The number seven in numerology is about spirituality, awareness, dreams, thought, and consciousness. And in the fool's journey, when the fool meets the chariot, they gain a sense of ego and the assured confidence of youth. I only have three tarot cards that I'm reading off of today because the chariot really is kind of a standard. Often cards have some sort of artist interpretation, but in the chariot, there really is almost always a chariot and at least two horses. So it didn't seem prudent to show you all the different types, but I do have three in front of me today. I'm going to start with the light seers tarot, uh, which has a black horse and a white horse running. And you can tell they're running because their manes are streaming backwards and the road is um, a full of movement. There's just lines showing that they're moving. Speaking of moving, my cats are all fired up this morning. I don't know why. Um, the chariot driver, the charioteer is crouching on top of a caravan. Um, it looks like a typical bohemian chariot in terms of like a lot of fabrics, a darker purple color. Um, he looks like he's, he's kind of crouching literally on the roof, not where the charioteer would normally sit. And it looks like he's kind of looking ahead to see what's coming up. And he doesn't look like he's in control. I I don't see any reins going from the horses to him. I love the colors of this one because it's, there's a sunset. It's reds and purples. Um, It looks like they're running alongside water. It's just very gorgeous. And the white horse really stands out in this card. The second card is the steampunk tarot. This charioteer actually does look like she's in charge. Um, There's a, it's the type of chariot I imagine in, um, I don't know, the gladiator times where it's like a single person standing chariot. Um, She is wearing, she looks like an aviator. So she's wearing uh, a tight fitted jacket with a big belt around it, goggles, a helmet. She's holding a blue umbrella in one hand and in the other hand, she has the reins of the two ah, constructs. They're not really horses. Um, They they look like they're probably constructed to be be repl- replacement for horses. Remember, this is the steampunk tarot. And again, one is black, one is white. They're kind of muted. So one's kind of like a dark gray, one's a light gray, but has the same feel to it. Um, it's a stormy day behind her. It doesn't have quite the colors as the first chariot. And then my final chariot uh, is of the Shadowscapes tarot. And I like this one because it's got this sort of aquatic feel. It's again a single person chariot, like in the gladiator times, except this one, the opening is on the front and the other one, the opening was on the back. Uh, It's being pulled by two unicorns that are walking on water. So I guess, I don't know, Jesus unicorns, (laughs) is that the thing? Um, The the charioteer is again, um, she looks like she's wearing armor, but also she has wings and her hair is flowing back uh, and she's wearing a dress, but there's like a breastplate over it. She is not holding the reins. Um, these uh, unicorns are kind of looking back at her and at each other and seem confused. And the ribbons that are holding them in terms of uh, giving them direction are sort of flowing around. Behind her is a city in the clouds. 
and underneath um, are five turtles and a crab. The crab is uh, in a circle all by itself and it's holding a sun. Terra 101, which again, I really do like, but also it doesn't do things in order. It does things in a way that makes sense to the Terra 101 book. Um, there's a bunch of different exercises and uh, meditations involved, so you can totally go check it out if you'd like. It just makes me kind of mad that they're not in order. <laughs> okay, so uh, Terra 101 says the chariot is the soul or the self. Horses are usually white and black, um, and uh, we've covered this before, but generally the white is noble and the black is ignoble. I don't like that personally. And they pull in different directions. Um, there's actually, Plato has a chariot allegory, which talks about the chariot being pulled by different horses in different directions. So I found that interesting. When a charioteer is wearing armor, they're ready to fight for their goals. There's also occasionally a laurel wreath. I didn't see any of those on my decks, but you might have one in yours if you do its victory. There's almost always a road. Um, it's the path traveled or to be taken. If there's a city behind, it's some sort of journey that takes you away from normalcy or away from the bustle of city life, basically. If there's any barnacles or anything, the chariot has an um, astrological association with cancer, which is why the crab is in the Shadowscapes Tarot. And so you'll see um, barnacles or the sea or a crab um, just to tie that in together. And then occasionally you'll see a sphinx that's pulling the chariot. Um, a sphinx will not move or do anything for you unless you answer a riddle. So that would symbolize the mental capacity of the charioteer. On the only deck that I didn't bring today that I normally do, um, the Hebrew symbol cheth would be on it, which means fence or life's blessings. Overall, the chariot's generally seen as some sort of movement towards a goal, but uh, the fact that the horses are going different directions means that the charioteer really does need to decide and pull um, pull on those reins to really get the whole team moving in the same direction. Tara 101 says, quote, it seems that the chariot is never happy with actually achieving their end. Instead, they just move on to the next journey or adventure. They have a sense of urgency and demand immediate results. So that's if the chariot was a person. They also said that, quote, Progress is inevitable and should be welcomed, and the journeys we travel as we go through life are many and varied. They go on to say things like you could be on the bus to work or on a plane to a foreign destination. And then they continue. There are also journeys that take place on an emotional, mental, or spiritual level, such as uh, ending or starting relationships, going to college, writing an essay, having a spiritual transition, eh, or going through even the seven stages of grief. They continue, the chariot is the quintessential quest and journey. And then the tarot handbook says, the chariot represents the universal principle of change and causation. And the sun moon tarot says, quote, the charioteer channels their will and strength to turn ideas into action, projects, and experiences. So uh, the chariot really does have that, I like that quintessential quest and journey section to it. And it, it's some sort of path, some sort of journey. But I like how Tara 101 specified that it could be any kind of journey. A lot of readers I've noticed say that it's a physical journey, like you're going somewhere. And I have said that too, but I haven't really considered the fact that there's other types of journeys that are also important. When I read tarot, if it's a reversed card, which means it's upside down, I read it as an internal process. So the chariot upright would mean that I 
and maybe somebody else are going on a journey. So this would maybe be with a relationship. Maybe I'm going to college with my BFF. Um, or maybe we are going on an airplane trip together. And then if it's in, uh, reversed, it's inverted. So I am going alone. This is my essay to write. This is my spiritual transformation. This is my bus journey to work. So that would be the difference. But what you could also do if you haven't quite decided on a system yet is that you could do upright as the um, physical journey moving and you could do inversed as your emotional, spiritual or mental journey. So that would actually almost be the same where it's external, it's outside of yourself and then it's emotional, mental or spiritual, it's inside of yourself. So that's just a thing to think about. If you haven't started reading reversals yet, I think there's five different ways to read reversals. Actually, let me clarify that. There's five main ways to read reversals. And we'll talk about those in a different episode because I have a lot to cover today. But that actually brings me to a good point. If you have any questions you want me to go over, um, how do you start reading? What's a spread? What are the ways to read inverse cards? Will you email me at omensatepiphanies at gmail.com? I will get to them. I'll put them in where they're needed. And if there's ever a day where I'm like, what the heck goes with this card? I'll do just a Q&A as the second half of the episode. Speaking of spreads, Tarot 101 um, mentioned all the parts of the card. And I was like, that would actually be a really cool spread. So let me just let me just push that out there for you. Um, a spread really is just the questions that go with it. But the physical location helps you do a memory trick of it. So um, the charioteer, let's say that's you. So you would draw a card for yourself. Um, the chariot that you're in, so you would put a card underneath that, is your support. Uh, the wheel, so you'd put another card underneath that, is the perpetual motion. And that reminded me of Newton's first law. An object in motion stays in motion unless acted upon by a force. So what's the thing that keeps you going, basically? You could do a card in front of that for the road, which is about the journey. What journey are you on? And you could do a card for the horses, which is the force that pulls you onward. I just thought that was kind of cool. I, I came up with that all by myself. <laughs> it was actually one of the um, journal entries was like, what's the force that pulls you onward? What's your perpetual emotion? And I was like, wait, that would be a spread. That's pretty cool. So that was the first half of the episode. I don't know if you've noticed yet, but every episode I go through the chariot as a tarot card, and then I do some sort of spiritual connection to it. So in this case, um, number one, I want to talk about the movement of ideas Number two, I really wanted to cover the chakras because I keep mentioning that they're a little bit problematic and I wanted to really go into that today in detail. So so first I'm going to introduce the chakras. I'm going to uh, describe how they got to us. And then I'm going to read a really good article um, from, a, from a yoga perspective on how this works. So let's start with that. Now, before I start reading from Mama Moon's Book of Magic, I'm going to clarify that I don't hold her in any sort of disregard for this. Um, the chakras are a very common occurrence in, in modern day spiritual practices. And so um, the fact that she didn't necessarily say anything about where it came from uh, is not any of her. I'm not like, don't get this book because it's a good one. I like this book. Okay. So Mama Moon's Book of Magic um, says chakra is the word for wheel in the Sanskrit language. To imagine how they work, imagine a cosmic wheel of energy spinning, creating a ver vortex of energy which connects your body to the universe. There are seven main chakras. Um, now, I say these in number order, but we start at the base of our body. So one, root chakra, 
Two is the sacral chakra. Three is the solar plexus chakra. Four is the heart chakra. Five is the throat chakra. Six is the third eye chakra. And seven is the crown chakra. Uh, She goes on to say, each is connected to emotional, physical, and spiritual areas in your life. They absorb and filter all your thoughts, actions, and behaviors and soak up from and react to people and energy around you. Uh, She continues, when we come into contact with negative energy and the stresses and struggles of everyday life, there is a good chance that your chakra energy fields may have been whirling and swirling in overtime. When this happens, these magical energy portals can get a little bit clogged up and worn out. You may find this can slow you and your magic down. You may notice that you're feeling a bit foggy and are unable to make decisions, are having problems connecting to others, or are finding it hard to be able to speak up for yourself. You may engage in negative self-talk or feel a sense of shame, to name a few. If this happens, it might be signs that your chakras might need a little bit of TLC. And then the rest of this whole chapter is actually what crystals or potions um, could help to get your chakras realigned or just chill out a little bit. The chakras are also typically color coded. So it starts red at the base and then it goes up your body. You'll also find that like specific spots of your body are each one. So like the throat chakra is literally your throat and it's about speaking your truth usually. So if it's blocked up, you're not speaking your truth, etc. And I'm going to say that I have a um, spiritual leader who sees auras and she uses the chakras as one of her main ways of communication about them. So uh, one of my aura portraits has different energy centers of my body um, showing different things. I'm just saying that people use chakras frequently and it's not a necessarily a bad thing. However, I'm going to go through and describe how the information got to us. Uh, This is a blog post on Tumblr on August 26, 2019 by Anthony the Witch. I think that's literally it. Um, It's called Witchcraft PSA, the the Chakras and Cultural Appropriation. He goes through the different chakras. uh, uh, So he talks about where we got this information. So, quote, simply put, the appropriation of tantric chakras can be narrowed down to four specific individuals. In 1577, a spiritual teacher and academic name, okay, Pernananda Yadi wrote a treatise of tantric teachings called the Shatchakra Nirupana, or roughly an explanation of the six chakras. Did I say six? Yes, I sure did. Let me talk about that in a second. In this treaty, um, Pernananda lays out the modern framework we see today. Six chakra centers within the human spirit, with an additional seventh chakra above the head that connects the spirit to the divine force. He based this concept off an earlier writing from the 13th century, which also details this framework, but openly acknowledges that this is just one tradition and that many other traditions also exist. In 1918, a British scholar named John Woodruff translated Pernananda's treaty from Sanskrit into English, and unfortunately, there are many mistranslations in Woodruff's version. This translation was what eventually gained extreme popularity throughout academic and occult circles in the West. Throughout the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, the renowned European psychologist Carl Jung, uh, who was a very common psych guy, became fascinated with the idea of chakras and their relationship consciousness. Throughout this time period, Jung wrote extensively about um, potential connections between the seven chakra centers and various psychological states. This is where chakras became associated with different states of being, such as instinct, will, and sexuality. Finally, in 1987, an American occultist and spiritualist named Anodia Judith published a book entitled Wheels of Life. In this book, Judith talks extensively about the seven chakras and even lists correspondences between the chakras and various herbs, crystals, elements, planets, tarot cards, deities, and archangels. 
Her book became wildly popular within holistic and spiritualist circles set in stone the way that modern neo-pagans view chakras in the West. And then he goes on to say that uh, this is kind of a closed practice, not always a closed practice, um, but I want to highlight this part, quote, more than that, to perpetuate and worse claim spirituality from a distorted whitewashed version of an of an eastern religious belief is just plain disrespectful and potentially racist at its worst i'm also going to highlight some parts of a or many parts of an article posted on february 5th 2016 called the real story on the chakras by christopher wallace or also known as harish he's a, a scholar practitioner with 30 years of experience having been initiated into the practice of yogic meditation at 16 and having 15 years of formal education um so this is from the yoga perspective um, so there's going to be a lot of Sanskrit terms that I cannot pronounce, but I'm going to do my my very best. So first of all, uh, quote, first off, how do we how do we define chakra in the tantric traditions where the concept divides chakras, which in Sanskrit is actually C-A-K-R-A, no H. We still say it the same way. Are focal points for meditation within the body visualized as structures of energy resembling discs or flowers at the points where a number of channels or meridians converge. They are conceptual structures since they tend to be located where human beings experience emotional and or spiritual energy. And since the form in which they are visualized reflects visionary experiences held by meditators. He walks through the exact same transfer of information that the article said earlier. Uh, So here's the six most important things we never knew about the chakras. Number one, there's not just one chakra system in the original tradition. There are many, so many. The theory of the subtle body and its energy centers called chakras comes from a tradition of tantric yoga, which flourished from 600 to 1300 CE and is still alive today. In mature tantric yoga, which happened after the year 900 or so, every one of the many branches of tradition articulated a different chakra system, and some branches articulated more than one. There are five chakra systems, six chakra systems, seven, nine, 10, 12, 21, and more, depending on what text and lineage you're looking at. The six plus one chakra system that Western yogis know is just one of many, and it became dominant around the 15th century. They're not like organs. <laughs> the energy body is an extraordinary fluid reality, as we should expect of anything non-physical and supersensuous. The energy body can present, experimentally speaking, with any number of energy centers, depending on the person and the yogic practice they're performing. Now, what I found was interesting is that there are a few centers which are found in all systems. One is the lower belly or a sexual center, one in the heart, and one near the crown of the head. These are the three places in the body where the humans all over the world experience both emotional and spiritual phenomena. But apart from these three, there's a huge variety in the chakra systems we find in original literature. One is not more right than the other, expect relative to a specific practice. Number two, the chakra systems are prescriptive, not descriptive. So we usually say things like the um the root chakra is at the base of the spine and it is red but in most of the original sanskrit sources we are not being taught the way things are we are being given a specific yogic practice we are to visualize a subtle object made of colored light maybe shaped like a lotus or a spinning wheel at a specific point in the body and then we activate mantric syllables in it for a specific purpose so when the literal sanskrit reads four petaled red lotus at the base of the body we are supposed to understand that the yogi ought to visualize a four-petaled lotus at the base of the body. So it's not saying this is the thing. It's saying you should visualize it this way. Number three, 
The physiological states associated with the chakras are completely modern and Western. On countless websites and in countless books, we read that the base chakra is associated with survival and safety, that the um, solar plexus chakra is associated with willpower and self-esteem and so on. But that started with Carl Jung. So these associations maybe represent experiential realities for some people, but they don't, they don't come from Sanskrit resources. Also, Judah's Wheel of Life book has no basis in the Indian sources. Um, in each chakra, she goes through a certain body gland, malfunctions, some foods, a metal, a mineral, an herb, a planet, a path of yoga, a suit of the tarot, um, a sphere of Jew- Jewish mysticism, and an archangel of Christianity. None of these are found in the original Sanskrit resources. Judith or her teachers created them based on perceived similarities. That also goes for the essential oils and crystals that maybe other books claim correspond to each chakra. He does specify that um, that's not to say that putting a certain kind of crystal on your belly when you're having self-esteem issues and imagining it purifying your chakra might not help make you feel better. It's all about intention here, right? We do this with intention, but we also don't steal with intention. Okay, number four. The seven chakra system popular today derives not from an ancient scripture, but from a treaty written in 1577. The chakra system the Western yogis follow is that found in a Sanskrit text written by a guy named Pernananda Yadi. He completed his text, or the explanation of the six chakras, which is actually chapter six of a much larger work in the year 1577. And then again, it was translated to English uh, over 100 years ago in 1918. He does note that Tantric Buddhism, a.k.a. of Tibet, preserves older forms, and indeed a five-chakra system is dominant in that tradition, as well as the more fundamental three-chakra uh, three system or three-bindu system. For a typical five-chakra system found in the classical Tantra, um, you can read his book, Tantra Illuminated. Number five. Why wasn't I singing the whole time? The main purpose of the, of the chakra system is to function as a template for Nyasa, installation of mantras and deities. So the most outstanding features of the chakra systems in in the original sources are these three. One, that the mystical sounds of the Sanskrit alphabet are distributed across the petals of all chakras in the system. Two, that each chakra is associated with a specific great element like earth, water, fire, wind, and space. And third, that each chakra is associated with a specific Hindu deity or deities. That's because uh, we want to place a specific mantric syllable in a specific location in the specific chakra while you intone its sound. Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm not 100% certain what this means, but there's uh, cause deities that figure largely in every chakra system. They form a fixed sequence from the lowest chakra to the highest. They are Ganesh, Brahma, Vishnu, Rudra, Ishvara, Sadashiva, and Bhairava. Nope. Bhairava. Sorry. These are gods and I should know their names. Um, The first and last of these are often not appearing depending on the number of the chakras. The last deity in the list of cause deities is never the ultimate deity of the given system. For that deity is enthroned in the thousand petal lotus at the crown of the head. Number six. Uh, The seed mantras that you think go with the chakras actually go with the elements that happen to be installed in those chakras. So the seed mantra of the lowest one they say is um lum rhymes with thumb lum okay but that's actually the earth element so lum doesn't go specifically with the root or the yeah the root chakra 
it goes with the earth element, which is installed in the root chakra. Vam is the seed mantra of the water element. Ram is the syllable for fire, yam for wind, and ham for space. I'm going to say again that these are all supposed to rhyme with them. I'm not 100% certain I'm saying them correctly, but they're very certain about that. It's not ham, it's lum or hum. Let's just think for a sec that the heart chakras mantra that's installed in there typically is yam, which is the mantra of air or wind. So if we always install the wind element in our heart center, we're going to have relationships that come and go. If you want some grounding in your relationship, use lum, the earth element, rather than air or wind. Also, if you look up a picture of the chakras, you'll see these um, geometric symbols. Now, those specifically belong to the elements, not to the chakras. Uh, so he has a different earlier blog post from June 14th, 2015, that's called The 10 Chakra System from an 800-Year Text, about a jewel mine of teachings on music by Sarngaveda. That's the best I can think I can do right now. So this one does associate specific emotional and mental states with the specific chakras or with the petals of the chakras. So um, it's 10 chakras, but the first five chakras are the same as the names and locations of the first five chakras in the seven chakra system popular to us. And I just wanted to point out, I'm going to highlight not all of these, but for instance, the fourth chakra, the heart chakra, says this. In the heart region is located the Anahata chakra. It is the site for worshiping Shiva in the form of Pranava Om. It has 12 petals. The, result in, the results of biting these, beginning with the east, which is in the front, are... One, destruction of unsteadiness. Two, clear reasoning. Three, remorse. Four, expectation. Five, transparency or absence of pretense. Six, worry. Seven, striving. Eight, equanimity. Nine, religious hypocrisy. Ten, instability. Eleven, discernment. And twelve, audacity. <laughs> so, uh, and then in this, it's it goes through in chakra number four, the mu musicians should cultivate the qualities of petals one, eight, eleven, and twelve, or destruction of unsteadiness, equanimity, discernment, and audacity. And it says that singers who abide in the qualities of petals four, six, and ten will destroy their natural ability, expectation, worry, and instability. So. That's an old text that explains what each petal of the chakras do of all of the 10 chakras for musicians. And then it has this meditation where you go through and you specifically focus your energy by saying the mantras in the specific petals of the lotus flower to open yourself up to certain things. That's that's what the chakras were originally for. It wasn't it wasn't that the root chakra is red and you can put tourmaline on it to get rooted. I'm going to specify that a lot of people have found have found meaning in the current understanding of chakras and that I'm not invalidating your experiences in any way. If you use the chakras in the Western understanding, I would ask that we understand that chakras are our modern day understanding and they're very far away from the um, Indian or Sanskrit understanding of old. 
we're not doing it the same way. Um, but if you want to learn more, you can look up the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, sorry, by Swami Vivekananda. And I just want to give a huge shout out to my my current yoga instructor, Timber. You can go check them out at yogawithtimber.com. Um, I, I'm super grateful because I'm like, I can't, <laughs> my wrists hurt, my knees hurt. I can't do yoga. And he's like, come on by. I'm like, okay, cool. So I went and it's just him and me right now because nobody else shows up at 530 on a Tuesday and Thursday. But we do yoga. And then we talk about chakras, apparently. (laughs) We don't always. I'm just saying. It's an option. Um, So huge shout out to Timber for getting me on the right track of where to find this information and then for calming me down in terms of trying to pronounce all of the Sanskrit correctly. I am not a Sanskrit scholar. Um, I'm doing my best. You can contact me at omensepiphanies at gmail.com. You can also send me a Twitter at omensepiphanies. No and because Twitter makes your names really short. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at omensepiphanies. I'm also on TikTok where I complain about the number of ums that I, (laughs) Grace, record um, as as I also am the one who edits out most of the ums. (laughs) I miss some, I know, but so you can find me on TikTok at Omens and Epiphanies. And I have a website, omensandepiphanies.com, where you can find every episode and pictures of all of these cards that I talk about. Those are also listed on my Instagram, um, not immediately following the episode posting, but pretty close. So I hope you learned something today. What did we learn today? We learned that chakras are not fixed organs. They're suggestions for meditation. I think that's what I learned today. I hope you have a beautiful day and I'll see you next week. Okay, bye!